Well, you're very welcome to the first episode in what I'm hoping is going to be a weekly live show exploring aspects of mobile content creation. I'm your host, Glenn Mulcahy, and for around the last six years, I've been trying lots of different ways to try and bring a global community of content creators together. Back in 2015, I started an event called RTE MojoCon, which was one of the very first conferences aimed specifically at mobile journalism. In 2018, after I left my role as Head of Innovation in RTE, as the Irish National Broadcaster, I started a new event with a slightly broader remit exploring mobile journalism, photography, vlogging, marketing and more. That event, MojoFest, ran for two years and last year we were slated to head to London to join the Media Production and Technology Show and then COVID-19 hit. And that event, together with pretty much every other media event in the world, was cancelled. Like so many others, my business of delivering mobile content creation training to brands or companies or newsrooms around the world was turned on its head. And in response to that, I was forced to start to pivot and deliver my training courses online using Zoom. After a few weeks of that, a conversation started up with the founders of Filmic Pro and LumaTouch, all of whom had been longtime supporters of MojoCon and MojoFest. We discussed the prospect of hosting a live event online to try and bring mobile creators around the world together and to give a platform to the many amazing stories of success and failure that they had to share. And so the Mobile Creator Summit was born, and I was privileged to be asked to host that show. Over four weeks, we went live every Friday for five hours with talks and presentations exploring many facets of mobile production. When that series wrapped, I approached one of my guests, Courtney Jones, to join me in creating the Mobile Creator Podcast. And with the continued support of Filmic and LumaTouch, we hosted 15 episodes in Season 1 and interviewed over 28 amazing guests. The podcast wrapped in roughly mid-December, and while Courtney and I are still discussing when and how we may bring it back for Season 2, we're both quite busy with our own projects right now, so we have no immediate timeline. And just over a week ago, my friend Dan Rubin, who's been involved in Mojo events with me since the very beginning, sent me an invitation to join Clubhouse. And my initial reaction was, not another social media account to try and manage. But last week, after starting an impromptu room and very quickly being joined by friends from the Mojo community, it became very obvious that Clubhouse is different. It struck me that it brought together elements of the conference, the stage, the speakers and the audience, with elements of the podcast audio first, and it's live, and in principle, ephemeral. But on that, I am, however, tonight recording this show, as I want to test it and experiment a little bit and see if it might be possible to upload it to Anchor as a catch-up service. I'm aware that under the TNCs, you need prior consent. That's why it's in the title, and I'll be reminding anyone who joins into the conversation this evening that I am recording. It remains to be seen how all this goes. It's live, but as they say, you never know till you try. And so that brings me kind of nicely, I guess, to what I'm hoping to achieve. At the end of the day, right now, it's looking very unlikely that the mobile community will gather again in person, at least not in the early part of this year. So in the interim, I see this show as a weekly get-together where the ideas can continue to flow, where speakers can share their insights and listeners can ask questions. On that point, you can raise your hand within the Clubhouse app and I'll try to get to you as quickly as possible. Or you can send me a question via DM on Twitter. I can see your application to join the conversation, Mark. I'll be with you in a second. On Twitter, if you want to do that, if you tap my avatar and then go to view full profile, you'll see my Twitter handle. And if you jump over to my account there, you'll see I have my DMs set to open. Equally, you can just join in the conversation in Twitter using the hashtag Mojo Clubhouse. You can share this show 
And I'd be really gracious and ask you to do so if you think some of your contacts might find this interesting. To do that, you tap on the plus icon at the bottom right of your screen and you can ping your contacts. So, that brings me to my very first guest. He's a man who has been heavily involved in software development in mobile for over 24 years. I first met him when he was the head of product development at Kinemaster. Now, Kinemaster, in case you haven't heard of it, is a cross-platform video editing application for iOS and Android. Shortly after I visited him in Seoul just over two years ago, he announced that he was to leave Kinemaster to found his own company, Alight Creative. After spotting a gap in the market, he decided to develop a software solution for animated graphics on Android. That product, Alight Motion, surpassed all expectations and managed to break even within 20 months of launch. Since then, Allied Creative have developed a version for iOS and are going from strength to strength. And he joins me now, if he'll unmute his microphone. Matt Feinberg, how are you? I'm, I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. I'm, I'm delighted to have a catch up with you because, in fairness, because of the cancellation of the event last year and everything else as well, um, it's, you know, it's really, really good to keep the lines of communication open. How are things in Seoul? Like, is, is life kind of returning to normal or has it gone the other direction altogether? Um, it's uh, back and forth here, I think, as, as it is uh, everywhere. Um, uh, just, just to quickly sum up, for, for most of the pandemic, uh, it has been mostly business as usual, except for lots of mask wearing. Um, but uh, coming in on the winter, uh, I think as, as everywhere, um, there was uh, a, a large surge in cases. Um, and so um, there have been some restrictions in place, which are they, they keep saying are going to be lifted soon, but uh, um, who knows? Uh, so, uh, um, yeah, compared to, I think, most of the rest of the world, we have a very low number of, uh, uh, of, of cases here. Um, so when, when, uh, whenever I say we have a spike here, it, it, it keeps that in perspective. It's... Uh, um, about uh, 400 new cases a day at the moment, which is is tiny um, mm-hmm. compared to you know most well, places. I think. So, even, yeah, we're we're doing I'm, we're doing well. We have the rather unfortunate title of about two weeks ago being the the per capita worst infected country in the world, which is rather unfortunate. But it means that we're on a very very strict lockdown. But you know, to flip all that on its head, I think in many ways, um, soft, software solutions have really really come to the fore, and everyone is surviving now because of what they can do when working from home. And I guess in some ways, that brings me nicely to a little bit of your kind of your origin story, if I can call it that. It's a little bit of 24 years, 24 years in software development. What did you start when you were two? Uh, no. Um, well, I, I, I actually, um, I, I, uh, when I gave you that number, that was when I started doing it professionally. Um, so that was when I was 18. But, uh, uh, and I just let everyone calculate my age there. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, no, I actually started when I was eight. Uh, with an old Radio Shack uh, TRS-80 uh, color computer um, that plugged into a TV, um, but I didn't count that uh, because I was just uh, writing programs to print hello on the screen over and over again, so I don't think that really counts. Well, my first attempt at coding was with the Commodore Amiga, where I spent about a week trying to type in about 15 pages of code, and all it was supposed to do was create an animated bar that changed color in the screen. I was super excited. Yeah. I hit the return key and I got syntax error, which, you know, to a 14-year-old <laughs> means absolutely nothing. And that was the end of my coding experience for life. I kind of developed an instant hatred and decided never again. 
Uh, I, I, that, that almost happened. Fortunately, uh, my, my parents decided to buy the tape drive because I, uh, in the beginning, I was spending all of my time, uh, entering, uh, source code, uh, from a magazine. And then if you, if the power went out, you would lose everything. Um, so they, they bought a tape drive and, uh, and I could actually save, uh, I'd find a game in a magazine and I type it in and I can actually save that somewhere. Unless my grandmother decided that she needed this uh, random tape to record something on because it just had noise on it, uh, because they were or regular uh, audio cassettes. So uh, uh, yes, that that was a, a thing that happened. <laughs> and and tell me, um, like, are there other members of the family who were very very much into kind of technology and coding and stuff, or were you very much kind of a black sheep in the family? Um, no, others as well. Actually, my brother uh, works at uh, Udacity. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, he's, uh, um, does course design there, uh, and, uh, has been involved with, uh, with designing courses for, uh, for doing, um, uh, software development relating to, uh, machine learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's not just me, um. Very good. Now bring me back to um, the early days of Kinemaster. The company wasn't even called Kinemaster when you joined. I'm trying to remember the name because I remember uh, Next Streaming. Next yeah, it was streaming. called Next Streaming. Yeah. Yes. So tell me a bit about uh, Next it, Streaming. In fact, it, it it wasn't actually uh, renamed to Kinemaster until after I left. Um, uh, so uh, Next Streaming uh, created uh, uh, originally created solutions for uh, uh, video. Uh, player um, software. So this was, um, uh, this is, when you think of video players, you, you're probably thinking of apps, but in the case of Nextstreaming, this was, this was solutions that would go into other, um, uh, 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 be embedded into other things. So uh, in the beginning, for example, uh, it was uh, um, feature phones. If you bought a, a flip phone, for example, um, made by Samsung or LG back in, in the day, it was very likely to actually have uh, next streaming technology inside to decode and, and play video. Um, and uh, then that that player software was later used um, in uh, as an engine in apps that needed to do digital rights management. So, for example, I think uh, HBO Go um, used that to stream video as well. So that was where the, that was originally what the company did, and I joined. Um, uh, basically, to work on that uh, uh, on the player SDK uh, right. that was being used um, uh, for uh, for those types of applications, and um, uh, and and then uh, uh, somebody in management. This was very early on. I had I had just joined, and I honestly uh, my Korean was not very good at the time yet. Even we're a Korean company, um, and so I'm not actually uh, sure who the who the original request came from. But there was a general request put out. Um, for anyone who is interested in, in experimenting with uh, a video editor uh, engine um, uh, rather than just a, a player engine. And uh, at that time, uh, pretty much everyone said, no, that sounds too hard. <laughs> and um, by not knowing any better, said, hmm, that sounds interesting. So it was myself and one other engineer, and we uh, we built the engine uh, um, uh, and, and the... Uh, uh, and the user interface for the for the app that would become Kinemaster as an experiment. Um, so yeah, that was how that was how how it all started. Um, we, we had no idea what we were getting into. We had no idea how difficult video was going to be on uh, on Android. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, it, well, here we are now. So, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely it would probably be in my top three mobile video editors. Not blown hot wind. I mean, you know, I've obviously <laughs> going back to my days when I was actually teaching Avid a long time back. Um, I, I developed an affinity, obviously, with the team at LumaFusion after they left Avid and everything. But I mean, I have to say. For cross-platform stuff, whenever I do courses, I tend to do KineMaster because I can show it off my iPhone and pretty much the interface works identically on Android and iOS as long as the device can run it. Um, it's great. It's mm-hmm. a great piece. So your your fingerprints and your DNA are probably very deeply ingrained then in KineMaster. It must be a bit, a bit of a passion project standing from afar looking at it developed now, is it? Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, with, with, with KineMaster, it was always... Um, uh, actually, um, one, one of the strange things uh, about it is that um, uh, the, the name was actually uh, 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 I'm, I'm the one who came up with the name uh, uh, Kinemaster as well. We we had a list of uh, of candidates, which I don't remember what the other ones were at this point. Um, and there were several others that were much better, um, but unfortunately there were uh, trademark issues with them. In, I think it was in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they got eliminated off the list one by one until they came down to oh there's Kinemaster left there at the very at the very end, <laughs> which I had just sort of tacked on as an afterthought. And uh, so yeah, there uh, uh, um, it, it, it became called Kinemaster, which um, uh, was um, I think if I had realized there was a reasonable chance of that, I would have come up with something that had a clearer pronunciation. Well, it's <laughs> it, it, yeah, there's it, some. Yeah. I, I get the yeah, kind, kind, kind master, kind master. master. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get get that in courses. Um, which I don't. I, oddly, I don't care about at all um, how it's pronounced because I it's just you know it's uh, the app is what's important. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, the entire marketing team, I think, uh, has it in for me now. Um, so. <laughs> So okay, so how many years were you in? Were you the lead developer and basically product manager for Kinemaster before you decided to jump ship? From the well, see, I was I was at Next Streaming for about almost ten years. Right. Um, so I guess probably six. No, it was about it was about nine years. So I guess I guess seven seven years or so of that was um, was was in in Kinemaster, and it wasn't all all the same role. I mean, it, originally it was an experiment. It was just my myself and another developer mm. um, writing code. So there wasn't even a, a, a product manager. And then we had another product manager for a while. And uh, right uh, about a year after launch, he left, and then uh, I, I ended up taking over. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, it was about seven years, I would say, altogether. Amazing, and, um, and it was an incredible learning experience. The the team at Next Streaming is uh, is is fantastic. They're um, they are some of the engineers there were in the original uh, uh, Korean. They actually founded the Korean delegation to the MPEG consortium. So oh, wow. um, all the MPEG standardization import from Korea was was from the um, members of that team. Um, so it, it was it was quite. Uh, exciting to be involved and I, I learned a huge amount uh, working there yeah right and what I mean you know you don't have to go into any sort of per- personal reasons or anything but I'm really interested yeah. when you've worked up to a, a very senior position as you did what was the impetus mm-hmm. that made you want to jump ship and start it all again from the ground up uh, well the, the the major reason was uh, just that I uh, I felt there was um, uh, a, a lot more um, space in the 
uh, in the mobile content production market um, and uh, a lot of opportunities to build um, uh, uh, more sophisticated applications. Uh, and, um, and it, it, you know, as, as I'm sure you're very well aware, um, this is uh, a very rapidly um, growing and rapidly evolving um, uh, ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And uh, NextStreaming is a, a publicly traded company on Cosdeck. They've been around for quite a long time. And uh, as such, um, there, there's some inertia there, um, which is, is not unusual uh, with, you know, in, in that kind of situation. Nothing, nothing wrong with that necessarily. Um, but uh, there's a, a little bit uh, less interest in taking risks and, and, uh, and, and trying something uh, quite different. Um, and so uh, when I pitched my idea of, you know, we should, we should do motion graphics, um, uh, they said that sounds really interesting, but it's going to be hard to get shareholders to agree to that. Um, so, um, so we, we, we parted on very amicable terms. I said, look, I, this is something I, I, I really, um, am interested in trying. And, uh, um, uh, and so, uh, at least up to before the pandemic, um, uh, uh, you know, the CEO there and I would, would, would have lunch periodically, um, uh, uh, you, know, you know, even after I left, and mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, we I, we don't see each other as as com- uh, competitors. Um, uh, and in fact, if you if you look at it, it's a lot of um, you know both a light uh, a light motion uh, and Kinemaster um, uh, in the free versions of the app, they'll put a, a watermark on the video. And if you uh, if you look around on on Instagram, for example, you can find a lot of videos that have both watermarks. So mm-hmm. they were produced using both apps together. Yeah. Um, so that's that was sort of really the vision I was I was going for in the first place, anyway. Gotcha. So. Very good. Um, so I'm like you know complete. I've worked myself obviously now for the last three years, but not gone through the whole founder process in the way that you have. In the sense that I guess you have to raise the kind of founding capital to get the company off the ground, and you know all the development work and pitching and everything else that goes with them. It's a a monumental task. So, like, did you, do you mind me asking, did you just take a, a parting investment from Kinemaster and use that to fund it? Or did you have someone else who kind of saw the potential in the app and was willing to put money behind it? Uh, well, well, there was no, there was no investment from, from Kinemaster. What, um, uh, the original, uh, um, investment was, uh, was actually, I want to say a stroke of luck. It wasn't really a stroke of luck. It was, um, uh, you know, being from the U.S., um, there's, you know, in, in the U.S., there's not a requirement or a guarantee um, for any type of severance pay um, uh, when you work for for a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in Korea, there is. It's built into the law, and so um, as working if you're working for any company um, for more than a year, they have to um, actually be putting money towards um, towards severance, which is which is quite a a, a large uh, uh, a portion of your salary, and I actually was unaware of this because, at, you know, at the time. Now it's a different story. Uh, if, if you're here as a, um, you know, overseas employee, there's an orientation the government provides. They make sure you're aware of all of these these, these things that you have. But I, uh, when I uh, started, um, you know, it was just it was one of these terms where you know I'm I joined a Korean company. Um, everyone on the team. Um, was using Korean. Um, actually, the, my original team leader spoke um, spoke English, but failed to mention he spoke English for the first um, three months. 
Um, so, <laughs> that could so have ended badly. Uh, yes. Well, no. I, I mean, that when I found out, I was uh, I was a little bit annoyed about it. But um, to be honest, it it also uh, was a fantastic um, learning opportunity for me because um, I think it would have been very difficult to found a company here without uh, being able to speak the language fluently. So that um, you know, it was kind of you know, like being being thrown in and like, figure out how to swim. Um, so uh, I spent a lot of the first uh, uh, year or so just. Uh, you know, spending hours uh, a day with a dictionary in my email just trying to figure that out. So it was one of the things I'd overlooked was that we get this large um, severance package, you know, with, uh, by law. So when I left the company, I was thinking, okay, now I have to go do some fundraising. And um, then found out that, no, actually, um, uh, there was enough, not, not a lot, but enough to actually get the company moving. Um, and uh, so we were able to actually start development and launched the first ver- first version of the app for Android before um, uh, actually uh, going for um, uh, for funding so that that Amazing. was uh, uh, yeah that was that was incredible and and um, uh, yeah I think uh, I mean I'm also very grateful to the um, my, my other co-founders um, who, who put the company together with me because they they put in a huge amount of of their time um, you know just basically for stock in the beginning. Um, uh, so um, we were we were able to uh, be in the unique position of being able to go in and, and raise funding with a, a launched product, um, which is not something that you normally see in the startup scene, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very good. I'm going to do a quick shout out to the, those who've joined us, basically. Uh, Carmen, my, my uh, podcast co- co-host, Courtney, is standing by in Seattle there. Um, Anne Charles is there, Gillian, Corinne, Imran, Cassius, Mike and Twan. Hi guys, hope you're all doing well and in these uh, strange and unpredictable times keeping safe. If you have questions that you'd like to shoot at Matt, um, you can either stick your hand up and I'll happily bring you up on the stage or if you'd prefer to not speak but still get a question to him, you're welcome to DM me via Twitter. I have a tweet deck open in front of me so I'm watching out for some comments other than Mark who's now gone off to dinner who's been pestering me since I went live. Um, But anyway, um, talk to me a little bit about uh, the current roadmap so the the ios version is it's gone out of beta isn't it it's full release now is it oh yes yes ios has been fully released and we have also um released uh a version for apple silicon based macs oh, wow. um, so yeah so that's that's very exciting it's actually the ipad version but um what what's in what's a little bit different about it is that you know apple silicon uh, Macs, the new any any mac that uh that has the m1 chip um, is capable of running uh, iPhone and iPad apps if the developer has approved it. Mm-hmm. And in our case, we took some extra time to uh, make sure the app works well with um, keyboard and mouse um, so that you can use you know, uh, shortcut keys that you might be used to. Um, uh, you can use the arrow keys on the keyboard to move forward and back by a frame uh, or to nudge uh, uh, layers around on the screen. So we put all, we put all of that um, sort of optimization effort into the iPad version, which will also work if you have a mouse or keyboard attached um, on the iPad. Um, but uh, that also means that it works quite well um, uh, as a Mac app. So uh, yes, you can you can actually run this um, uh, uh, directly on a Mac. And we are uh, in terms of the roadmap, we are uh, also working on a Mac version for 
um, non-Apple Silicon Macs. We have not launched that yet, but that is something we are we are actively in development on. Wow. Uh, at the moment. So uh, I'm going to be as on provocateur here now and say, so are, are you, is, is the love for Android dwindling a little bit and the affection has been directed Apple's direction because there's more opportunities or users there or what's the experience been? Because, you know, every year, like since the beginning, MojoCon, MojoFest, every year there's a question about iOS versus Android. It's usually Bernard Lail or someone else going head to head with Mr. Settle on the stage. But I'm really interested on your take uh, as a developer. Sure. Um, well, as a developer, we're um, it's it, it's very complicated. There's not there's 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 not really a, a simple answer to that question. It's a, it's a can of worms sort of question. Mm-hmm. But um, the the interesting thing is we have several times more users on Android than we do on um, on Apple platforms. Um, but our revenue is the same across both platforms. So wow. Um, uh, so that's uh, that's interesting. So in other words, the iOS users, we make a lot more money from iOS users. Mm. Um, but at the same time, um, our Android users tend to be extremely active in getting out there and promoting the app um, uh, and, and, and just getting the word out. Um, so really, there's a synergy between the two um, uh, in terms of, you know, from a business point of view. Mm. Um, so from a, from a purely business point of view, uh, in our case, um, uh, I think um, other than the headache of, of having to um, you know, maintain these two different versions because we're not able to use one of the cross-platforms of app development um, uh, systems because those don't really deal with video very well, um, at least not for editing. So we essentially have two separate apps we have to maintain. So there is that headache, which is not a small one. But aside from that, it, I think it was a, um, from a business point of view, it is it is very good for us um, having both. Um, and uh, from a practical point of view, uh, um, uh, as I'm sure you're probably very aware, uh, there's a lot of inconsistency on the Android platform. So there are some fantastic um, Android uh, devices. Um, there are also some Android devices that are um, maybe, uh, you know, not so great when it comes to doing video production. And um, it, it's been getting a lot better, but one of the problems is that there's not really a spec anywhere when you're, as a user, looking to buy a phone, there's not a, a specification somewhere you can look at that will just, you know, sort of let you know this is going to be a good vo- a good phone for video production. Um, you know, if you if you're looking at just recording video, you can look at specs like what's the resolution, what's the frame rate, uh, things like that. Uh, but if you're looking at, at doing video post production on the phone there are more factors that come into play. For example, if, if I want to do a very simple edit where I have two video clips and I want to just crossfade between them, um, in order to do that, my phone has to be able to handle three video uh, uh, files simultaneously. In other words, I have to decode two that I'm crossfading and encode one all at the same time. And on a desktop, if you try to do that, um, and if the desktop uh, uh, computer isn't capable of doing it in real time, not a problem. It just slows down and, and, and does it in non-real time. And so your rendering process can you know, take some extra time. And it's not a big deal. Unfortunately, um, uh, especially for some of the, the, the older Android phones, the cheaper Android phones, there seems to have been a conscious decision to, in order to make um, uh, the technology look better, um, for marketing purposes, they, they don't want to see any kind of 
um, video lag or skipping or, uh, or anything like that during normal use. And so the built-in video decoders are designed to work only in real time, and they will refuse to work if they can't give you smooth playback. And so the result of that is that even though, you know, when you're rendering, it's completely acceptable to take a little bit of extra time to, um, because you need the extra encoder, on a lot of phones, they simply won't let you do that. Um, and uh, so you then have the situation where you have two phones that on paper look like they have identical specifications, and one of them um, can edit uh, only 720p video, and the other one can do 4K, um, even though both of them can record 4K. Um, so that that can be really uh, challenging because we have a lot of questions from users about well, what works and what doesn't work, and it's very hard to answer. Mm-hmm. The best answer is that we have is go into a shop where they have a demo model um, and download the app on the demo model and see what the app says the capabilities are of the phone. Um, and it's, it's an even more severe problem because some companies, uh, and, and, I, and I used to not name the company, uh, but, uh, but I will now, Samsung, um, uh, they, they have a, some slightly shady marketing practices where they will have the same model, and this is for the low-end phones only, it's like the J-series, the same model in two different countries um, uh, that have different uh, 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 chips in them, um, but the model name is the same. So, for example, if you buy a J7, I think it's 2000 and and 17 uh, series uh, edition uh, J7 in the U.S. and in Brazil and in Korea, they will have different capabilities, even though all the packaging and model numbers are identical. So that makes it really hard to answer questions. But uh, when, when a user asks, what kind of phone should I buy? Um, so that's sort of in a nutshell, you know, those are the challenges we face on Android. Um, at the same time, if you have a good Android phone, if, you, if you're able to find an Android phone that is, it doesn't necessarily mean expensive, it just means that, um, you know, where, where, uh, where, it's, where it's capable of doing, um, you know, this kind of, uh, of editing, um, then it, it, uh, it, it works very, very well. So that's, um, that's quite, um, uh, I think for us, being on both platforms um, is, is exactly the right thing to do. And I, I would not say one is is dead or one is winning. Um, they're you know I think they're both there for the long haul. Very interesting. I'm, I'm Courtney, who's my co-host on the podcast, has, has joined the stage. So he's up here as a speaker beside. Us. He's uh, I don't know if you know Courtney Matthew, but basically he's a filmmaker. He's worked. He started actually in the Android side of things, but then came to the light side, didn't you, Courtney? <laughs> sure, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, good to meet you. I, I was wondering. Good to meet you. Yeah, I, I do a lot of compositing, and I've used your uh, your software a ton, actually, and, and uh, it, it's, it's great. Um, but I was wondering, um, I use After Effects. Uh, mm-hmm. the After Effects, you know, which is, you know, not just for motion graphics, but, you know, compositing. So I was wondering how close can you come to After Effects when it comes to compositing? Or is that even kind of in your uh, in your road? Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, so that's a that's a little bit of a tricky question, um, just on account of uh, After Effects has been around for I I, I want to say over twenty years now, but I'm not actually certain off the top of my head. It's been around for a while though. Uh, yeah, so it, so it, it started out, you know, um, a, yeah. a, a different company. Yes. 
so yeah so so it's there, there's a there's a a, a a very rich feature set behind it um and so if it, you know if you're if you're looking at just those capabilities um it's going to be quite a while before we catch up to that um but but it is our goal uh to but um you know whether we'll be able to reach feature parity with with after effects uh, or not because they're, they're continuing to add features as well but it is our goal to bring at least the the um the the, the most widely used feature um that are there um into um into mobile applications i'm 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 going to assume that that interruption was mark settle deciding to run his fingers down the blind in his house or something because he's just joined us on the stage and he's probably making a yeah, point I about did. courtesy of muting your mic am i wrong mark i did i did think to myself i ought to mute the microphone but only after i'd actually scrunched up the silver foil i'm using to um to get to my suffering so i'll just go away and let you guys come you were going to ask matt a question though were you I was, but I didn't want to uh, interrupt yeah. Courtney and Matt, so I, I, I will come back presently. With, without okay. without rusting um, the paper. Sorry, Matt, go on. Uh, no problem, no problem. So um, uh, that's, uh, I always uh, keep a little bit of uh, foil on hand just in case I need to pretend it's interference on the connection anyway <laughs> you know, for difficult questions. Uh, so thank you, Mark. That gave you a little bit more time to think. Um, so, uh, But no, w- what we are looking to do is um, is basically to 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 provide full support for not just animation and motion graphics, but also compositing and also visual effects. And there's, there's a, a, a very long roadmap. We have, our, our current wish list is, uh, is years long, um, but that will hopefully shorten as we're now reaching a point where we might be able to start hiring some additional team members. Um, so, uh, but we do have, uh, for example, um, uh, and I and I don't like to give specific release dates because with software anything can happen. Um, there there are things that can be out of our control where uh, Apple or Google decide to change some kind of platform policy and we have to take a break and update the app for that. Um, but uh, but generally speaking, and with all that sort of all those caveats and and uh, and that caution. Um, we we are working on things like uh, a full color grading support um, and uh, improving our chroma key uh, capabilities so that you can do um, uh, more professional uh, compositing um, within the app and, and so on. For example, we're we're doing uh, research right now on um, uh, on a, a spill cleaner. So if you have a spill from a chroma key. Um, uh, uh, we're working on ways to clean that up uh, within the app as well. So, so, so the answer is yes. Compositing is something that's very important, and we are um, we, we do support that now to some extent, but it's something that we're continuing to um, to work on and improve. Yeah, that's that's great. And you know, if you could work that out by maybe next Thursday, maybe, that would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> No pressure. Well, I can't. I, yeah, I I, I can't uh, I can't mention any dates in advance, but no. <laughs> Probably not next Thursday. Uh, what? Um, just out of curiosity, are um, are there particular uh, compositing features that um, um, that uh, that you would like to see in a light motion? Um, well, sure. I mean, there. Uh, uh, sorry, Glenn is, is my my levels are probably a little low. Um, Better. So, uh, a couple of the things that I um, that I okay good. Um, the some of the things that I that I really look 
for in, in a compositor is number one, <clears throat> excuse me, um, masking, you know, the, the ability to do math, um, you know, and then because the iPad, you know, you, you can use the Apple Pencil and, and all of that, you can actually get really tight math, you know, draw really nice math. So, um, so that's one thing. Um, tracking is another thing. Um, you know, motion tracking is yep. that's pretty, that's pretty important. But then, you know, uh, you know, having all of your um, uh, all of your your color modes and all that kind of stuff. You know that. So you know, all, just basically a little bit of everything. You know, just sure. The, the basics of what After Effects could do. You know, sure. Um, so. So I actually jumped right in there, and and um, those the, those two things that you mentioned are are, are really popular requests. We, we get a lot of uh, requests for those, and um, the good news is you can actually do a lot of masking right now. Um, the the vector drawing uh, tool um, actually actually lets you create a vector mask um, with keyframes on the individual points of the mask, so you can animate the mask, um, and. Uh, if you want to, for example, feather the edges or or, or something like that, you, you can actually apply um, any of the effects of the mask to, to that vector drawing before you use it as a mask in, in the app. So that's possible right now. One of the things that we're working on, um, and again, I don't want to mention a particular upcoming version, but um, is, a, is a better preview mode. So that you'll, you'll be able to uh, pinch to zoom in on the preview um, so you can do more detailed work, which you realize is a, is a big pain point right now. Um, and uh, you'll also be able to um, preview uh, the mask as it is applied or um, uh, uh, or as a solid color so you can see the areas that, you've, that, you, that you're uh, working on. So that's something that's coming, but it is actually possible to do a lot of that right now. And on the iPad, um, uh, with an Apple Pencil, you can also, um, uh, we also support uh, using that uh, as a freehand drawing layer as well. Although that doesn't come in as an animated one yet, or animatable one yet, but uh, that is something we're working on as well. So, so those are very popular requests, and we actually, that's, those are actually both um, uh, things that um, they're either possible or we're, we're working on. Uh, tracking, motion tracking, uh, is something that we are in active research on at the moment. Um, so that's uh, um, that's something that we want in house as well. We're uh, I get a lot of requests from our marketing team for that. So, <laughs> let me let me bring Mr. Settle in yeah. just to to see exactly what it is that he wanted to fire at us. Go, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I've got to dry my hands because I'm washing up at the moment. Um, yes, yeah, <laughs> first time caller, long time listener. Um, just wanted to sort of obviously congratulate Matthew on such an, an amazing act. In fact, you know his history with apps is just sort of legendary. But the thing that I've always been fascinated by, which I've actually spoken to him about, I'd like him to expand upon, is how difficult it remains now, maybe compared to how it was two or three years ago, to get a light motion to work on the huge range of Android devices out there. Because I remember seeing a while ago, a guy showed maybe a dozen different Android devices with a compass, and they're all meant to be showing true north. And none of them were showing exactly the same true north. And it's ridiculous that all these Android devices don't show the same thing. So the fact that you're getting such an incredible app to work across Android devices, whereas, you know, much bigger companies like Adobe say, look, we can't get Rush to work on more than a small subset of Android devices. And the same with Filmic Pro. 
they have their subset of Android that it works on and others that it doesn't. So has, has the position improved compared to what it used to be with Android? And how much of a challenge does it remain to get things consistent when you could have someone with a, you know, a Samsung Galaxy J or some of these Nigerian African Androids that you've never heard of? And they say, well, why isn't your app working properly on my Android device? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great question. Um, well, and the, the the short answer is it is uh, uh, very very challenging to get it to work across all devices even now. Um, we have we we have sort of two secret ingredients uh, to uh, to how we're able to do it. One of which um, uh, I, I I can't talk about. The other one of which I can. The one I the one I can talk about is that the difference between us and say. Uh, Adobe or, um, or, or, or Filmic is that we have a very, very large, we have a free version of the app. So we have a very large, um, uh, number of free users who just use the app with a watermark. And, uh, they essentially are helping us beta test across a massive range of devices. Without that user base, there would be no way for us to, um, to actually make this work. Um, and so, Basically, we we made this decision that that we were going to launch the the Android version of the app, even though we knew it was probably not going to work well on more than half of the devices at the time of launch. Um, and the our initial um, uh, you know the early adopters um, back then, when it was in uh, essentially a public beta, um, were absolutely incredible in 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 both not leaving horrible reviews on Google Play, even when things went wrong, uh, but instead reaching out and helping us actually track down and solve the problem. And um, so uh, that sort of active engagement with the community and sort of being honest about, yeah, this is, this is tough, things go wrong, but we want to, you know, we're there to work with those users and figure out how to solve those problems has, um, honestly, without that, Without that uh, user community, we would not have been able to do this. Um, so that's that's sort of half of the of the equation. And, um, and the other we, thing, we, which you were you, yeah. you were going to say exactly what the other half was, weren't you? Weren't you? No, weren't no, you? I can't. Uh, you were almost, almost. Oh, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. <laughs> I'm really intrigued um, with what it could be. Hang on, hang on a second. I can I, I can tell you, but I got to find my. I'm going to put in and say it, it, it was Urban Legend, was it? But I remember at one of the conferences, someone spoke about the testing lab that Kinemaster had and that there was something like a hundred different Android devices whereby before anything was released, it would basically be passed through all of these devices to see how it performed. Now that, like I say, big caveat, that may well have been Urban Legend, and if I've just gotten Matt into oh, a load of deep water... Completely. That is, that is wildly inaccurate. It was actually closer to 800 devices. Oh, my God! Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm not kidding. They, there was an entire asset management system where all the devices had a barcode sticker on them, and... Um, if you wanted to test with one of them, you'd have to go and check it out from someone who was responsible for managing these 800 or so devices. Um, yeah, it was uh, uh, it was quite something. Um, it, it that part of it has gotten better now. Um, there are a lot of uh, uh, these sort of test labs where, uh, for example, Firebase has a Firebase test lab, and you can actually um, somewhere in one of Google's massive server rooms, they have racks upon racks of real Android devices just being plugged in ready to run uh, test code that developers send up, uh, which you have to pay for. 
Um, the, the only problem is you can't actually sit there and see the screen. And so trying to gauge whether or not you're getting lag or, or, or frame skips in preview um, when you're looking at a essentially a screen share of the device is a bit hard. Um, and for video, that kind of matters. So it's, it's not ideal, um, but uh, it, it does mean we don't have to keep a, a, a you know, a, a stock of that many devices around. Although we do occasionally need to buy uh, phones, and that's been actually one of the big problems now during the pandemic is getting test phones. Because if we if we find a phone where, where we say, yes, we've identified that this problem happens on this phone, we actually need to get that phone and plug it into a development system because it's a rare problem and, and, it, and it only happens on this subset of models. In the past, it was fairly easy. We'd be on a business trip or, or, or whatever, and someone would buy one and, and bring it back. Um, and that's no longer the case because there's no business trips. And shipping uh, a, a device with a lithium-ion battery in it um, uh, uh, internationally um, can be quite challenging. Um, a, a lot of uh, carriers won't ship them on an airplane. Um, so... Uh, it's actually become harder now um, for us to say, yeah, we, we need a particular model of J7 that's only sold in Brazil. Great, that good luck with that. Um, so uh, we've, we've had to sort of step up the collaboration that we do with, with users to try to debug problems. Um, we've had, had to build better um, sort of self-analysis um, into the app itself. So when things go wrong, users can send us, we, we have this uh, um, an ID, which we, we can't access unless the user actively um, decides to send it to us from within the app, but if they do, that gives us then uh, access to um, uh, diagnostic information about what actually happened during the video encoding and decoding process. So if the user contacts us and says, hey, it's not working on my phone, and we say, hmm, well, we don't have any way of testing it ourselves. Do you mind sharing this? And we have details in the privacy policy about what's involved, but then, you know, if, if they'll work with us, that gives us a way to at least um, move forward. And it, it's kind of like you know, feeling it out blindly in the dark in, in, in some sense um, because we don't actually have the, the device. But, uh, no, there are ways we'd be able to make that work. So it is still the, 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 the you know, long story short, it's still a massive challenge um, to uh, to make this work. Um, what, what's interesting is, is um, when it comes to sort of the tools that are available um, uh, to us as a developer, um, uh, Google has put in a massive, absolutely massive effort in uh, improving um, the developer, what we call the tool chain um, uh, for Android development. Um, it is absolutely incredible what they have done. Um, iOS is still easier on account of the devices. They're similar and they're consistent. Um, but in terms of the development tools that are available, um, Google has uh, really gone all out in trying to sort of make up for the fact that all the manufacturers can do their own thing to some extent. Um, and so um, it, it, it's sort of a joke of um, it's much easier to do, to do it on iOS if you can work your way through Apple's documentation. Um, it's harder on Android, but it's clearer to understand what you have to do <laughs> uh, because Google has just done a phenomenal job of just documenting everything and, and, and laying it out. And, of course, Android is all open source. So we can actually go and look at how something works under the hood if we need to try to figure out what might be wrong. So... Again, it's still a huge effort, but we also feel it's really worth it. There's a lot of users we have. Um, I, I should mention we have uh, we have the this project sharing feature in a light motion 
um, where you can take a project without rendering it and just share that project in a, in a, a format that can still be edited um, with, uh, um, with other users. So you can collaborate or if you have multiple devices, move it between devices. And that works across Android, um, uh, iOS, uh, and Mac. So you can start a project on Android and finish it on your iPad, for example. Um, and so there's quite a lot of users um, who are collaborating cross-platforms, either with other users or um, who have different types of devices um, on, on a single account. Um, and uh, um, so it is definitely has been worth the effort we've, we've had to put in to make that happen. Can I ask a quick follow-up relating to something you mentioned sure. a moment ago? I hope it like, may have been asked before. Who knows? Um, M- M1 Max, you mentioned the, the Mac word there. Is, is there any prospect of a light motion working on the new... M1 Silicon Max at any point in the near future. Now, you see, this is yeah, where he has we, to start actually, his answer with, as I said earlier, go on, Matt. Well, <laughs> that's the trouble. I, Sorry, I was having, I was having, <laughs> blame the foil. Um, no, <laughs> no it, it was, um, uh, yes, we, we actually, I actually went into some, some detail on that earlier, but yes, we do, uh, not only will light motion run, um, uh, on the on the M1 Mac, we've actually um, modified the the interface when it's running on a desktop environment to uh, support keyboard and mouse. So yes, it does. Wow. Um, and in fact, we actually just announced that on Twitter. Um, well, well, last night my time, so I guess uh, this morning for you. So I must have missed that, which I don't know. I apologize for. I do have one final final question. I don't want to hog the stage. Me hog the stage. Pressure for. Um, but is. <laughs> You know the way that the, the, the global Android iOS split is about 75, 25, very roughly speaking, yet they always see the data saying that the, the spend of iOS users still is disproportionately higher than Android users. Is that, you know, without giving any sort of financial secrets away, is, is that reflected by a light motion user base in terms of, although you might have more Android um, users, actually it's more iOS devices that are the fully fledged paid subscription? Sure. So again, I have to say, as I said earlier, but I will no, go into a little sorry. bit more. De- it's all right. No, I will go into a little bit more detail. So we we have a a, a lot more Android users than iOS users, um, but the revenue we get is about the same. So we are definitely getting more money from our our iOS users um, than than Android users. Um, uh, uh, but it's 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 different. So so on average across the industry, the last the last uh, figures that I saw, which uh, were pre-pandemic figures, so that may have changed. Um, but uh, where that it's it's about opposite. So if you have, um, uh, let's say, sixty forty split in favor of Android in terms of users, you probably have a forty sixty split in terms of revenue uh, on average across the industry. Um, but the the thing to keep in mind is that that uh, average is skewed by games, um, and so. Uh, a lot of people who are using um, a, an app for fun um, uh, or, uh, you know, as, as a hobby or something, they're less likely, um, I think, to uh, um, uh, to have money to spend. But if you're using this uh, in, a, in a professional sense, if you're actually making money um, through your, uh, for, say, a YouTube channel or something, um, I think there's, there's going to be more, uh, higher likelihood to spend. And so, um, we see um, uh, uh, a lot more um, 
what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, in other words, our, our split does not match the, the industry average. We, we do a lot better on Android than is, than is, than is typical in the industry. Um, and I think that probably is going to hold for a lot of sort of apps that are outside of the game, um, uh, area, if you will. So, yeah, I hope that answers the question. No, it doesn't. I will catch up later on. And Glenn, well done on putting this all together. I'm going to leave the stage because I'm being called to dessert. And on that bombshell, I'm going to say bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Take it easy. Um, okay, we, I, I was kind of aim, aiming for this as a first attempt anyway to run maybe an hour or there, thereabouts. So I'm just wondering, uh, I don't want to lose this part because I think it's kind of important, Matt. You've already kind of divulged, obviously, the launch of the M1 features and everything. Is there anything on the roadmap that you can quietly tease for the, the listeners here and whoever might you know tune in on the catch-up if that works well i I think we've we've uh um uh uh, actually thanks to courtney's question i already covered some of the key points that that we have moving forward um we're uh we're really committed to turning this into a i I was i almost said fully cross-platform but we we do we don't have windows plans at the moment um, but Windows aside, uh, fully cross, uh, cross-platform experience. Um, uh, and so one of the things that we're also going to be doing is taking the improved desktop experience that we have on Mac, uh, for example, and making that, uh, bringing that to Chromebook. It's not there yet, but we are, we are working on that. The, nice. the goal is to fine tune that on Mac first and then make that available on Chromebook as well. So the idea will be to have, um, uh, basically, as, as as we move forward to continue to bring desktop quality um, uh, uh, motion graphics and compositing and visual effects features um, into uh, um, into a light motion and make that something that works across all these platforms. So we really want it to be uh, sort of seamless so that you can collaborate with with other people when you're creating projects. And and in light of that, one of the big features that we are and again, I don't want to give a specific timeline on this, but we are working on a a a, a big level up to our uh, element system. So, for those who are not familiar, the element system allows you to create reusable um, uh, uh, components um, for your project. So, if you want to build a lower third, for example, um, and then reuse that lower third um, in in other projects. Um, the element system um, is what does that. And um, at the moment, uh, it's fairly simple. You can customize, um, you can share elements with other users already. Um, you can, or within your organization, uh, you can uh, customize the text that goes into an element, for example. Um, but we're, we're picking that up a notch. You're going to be able to um, customize a lot more without having to disassemble an element. So if you find a lower third, um, that some user has shared um, that you really that you really like and and uh, and you want to use, but the colors don't work. Um, right now, you have to ungroup everything and 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 go in and modify that. But you will be able to, um, uh, as a designer, um, create these uh, sort of beautiful, um, uh, fluidly animated components that uh, somebody without a lot of motion graphic uh, background um, can then just adjust settings. On. So you can say, okay, change the color to blue, and uh, and we'll change the text in the lower third. And the other thing that's coming as part of that is is the ability to have um, these elements adapt to their content. So as a designer, if you're designing a lower third and you want the background 
to automatically size with the text. The text size to get smaller if you have extra lines and that kind of thing. Um, you can create these dynamic um, sort of designs and layouts uh, right in a light motion uh, and then uh, make those available to, um, to other people in your organization or other users. So if you have a team and one person um, is, is great at doing motion graphics uh, animation and maybe everyone else is just, you know, uh, doing, uh, doing video editing and putting that together, um, the person who, who, cre- who can create these motion graphics uh, components can, can then build an element that the rest of the team can use. Um, so that's something that, uh, um, that, that uh, we're working on. And I don't, I, again, I don't want to give a specific timeline on that because it's a, mm-hmm. it's a fairly ambitious project. Um, but to, uh, to essentially make it much easier, um, to, uh, to, to, and more efficient to, to create, um, productions in the app, um, by having these reusable components and then being able to create your own and distribute them. So that's, that's something that we're very excited about. Could, could you um, see, to, uh, sorry, sorry, go could, could, um, could you see that become a, a commercial proposition, Matt, as in something that becomes like a stock marketplace where designers can basically upload the work and people could pay either an in-app purchase or something to get assets? Um, that's, that's a question I probably can't answer at the moment. Okay. Well, that's fine. Um, Courtney, but, 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 that, but that's not a no. That's not yeah, a no. Yeah, I, I, I read between uh, the lines on that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I was wondering, uh, you know, talking about bringing different elements in, and, and, and I'm hoping this will be a quick answer for you, but um, being able to bring in something like a Photoshop um, uh, or an Illustrator file that has layers in there that you can manipulate, you know, is that something that is... Uh, possible is going to be possible very soon because I, I find myself wanting to build something in in, in either um, in Illustrator or, or Photoshop, but then bring it in like I do in in After Effects, bring it in into the timeline, but it's already kind of broken up into the layers, and all sure. I have to do is manipulate. So, so the answer is yes. Um, that is something that is coming. Um, I, I can't give you a specific timeline on it. It's something we're actively developing. Um, uh, um, but yes, it is coming. Um, we, we, um, the formats that we are planning to support are going to be, um, Photoshop, um, uh, uh and, um, um, multiple PNG layers. So if you have, um, um, uh, there, there are a lot of apps that will export a set of layers as a, a, a bunch of PNG images in a zip file. And so we will support that. We'll, we, we plan to support um, uh, Photoshop, we plan to support, um, SVG, um, uh, uh, vector graphics. And so those are, those are, um, uh, areas that we have on our roadmap. Again, I don't, I don't have a, a particular date, um, on them. Um, uh, but you can, uh, actually right now, if you're using an iPad, if you're using Procreate, uh, Procreate has an option to export, um, all of the layers as individual PNGs all in, in one go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, if you do that, um, I, I have uh, uh, done animation where I bring them into a light motion, um, and, and it works uh, quite well. At the moment, you have to bring them in one by one. Um, we are uh, actually, uh, in a, a shorter uh, timeline, going to be adding just a multi-select option so you can just select them all at once and bring them in as a set. Um, and one thing I should mention there is um, in order for them to line up, they even if it's a very small uh, layer, they export it as a full screen PNG with a big transparent area. 
So what you can do in a light motion is if you're actually going into the move and transform settings where you position a layer, if you tap location a second time, you tap the location button to select the, the location um, to move the layer and tap it again, it will switch to uh, a mode where you can move the pivot point of the layer. And so um, if you've brought in layers where you have some small, uh, uh, something small you drew in Procreate, um, that's off on the side of the screen, so the pivot's not in there, it's in the middle, um, you can use it to move the pivot point into the, into the um, actual uh, visible part of the layer um, to animate it. So that's something that I actually um, am, uh, uh, have been doing myself. We actually, um, this is something else which is, I guess I should mention, um, another upcoming feature, and again, not a think of a timeline, but this is one of the sooner ones, is uh, parenting, layer parenting. So you can take one layer, parent it to another, so that they they move in relation to each other, um, and that lets you essentially rig um, sort of if you created a multi-layer, uh, for example, a character that you want to animate in Procreate, you can bring uh, those into separate layers and then parent them to each other, so you have a hierarchy and they'll move as you'd expect. And that's something that we have in Prototype internally, and so I was actually using uh, Procreate to draw. I I, I don't draw uh, characters very well, so robots. Uh, but to draw robots and then uh, ex export them as a set of PNG images, bring them into a light motion, parent them together, and actually animate them. So, yes, that is uh, that is all. Uh, those are all things that we have uh, in our site. Spectacular. Exciting times. Well, look, I'm, I'm going to throw one more opportunity to the listeners if anyone wants to jump in with a question. Nothing via DM other than Mark dropping the occasional comment, but if there's anyone who wants to jump in uh, on stage before I wrap up, you're welcome to do so, but please stick your hand up now, if you will. Um, Matt, it, it's been really, really exciting to hear about the roadmap and to hear what you've, you know, what you've got cooking. Clearly, COVID has not had a negative impact on the business. If anything, it sounds like it's been quite positive and given you the freedom to continue a lot of really, really exciting development work, which is phenomenal. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure that that can't be said of all software developers. I'm sure many are struggling out there with the, with COVID and everything else that yeah, comes it with is, it. I, yeah, I have to say, it's, it's not being able to meet face to face for our for our own meetings because we've, we've been we've been being cautious. Um, the, there's some spontaneity that's lost when you're doing it on Zoom. Uh, but, uh, but overall, yes, it, it, it hasn't been a problem. We're, we're extremely lucky that we've done so well. I think a lot of people are, are, are using apps like a light motion even more during the pandemic. So, um, uh, we have a lot, a lot of the, the types of questions we get from users have become much more, uh, sophisticated now and the types of feature requests are more sophisticated, um, I think it's people focus in more on the app during the pandemic. So in a sense, that's good for us. It's pushing us um, sort of in the direction we need to go. Very good. Um, and I, I actually, there was one thing that was mentioned earlier. And I, I wanted to, uh, if, if I can take a, a, a quick moment, I know I'm not usually quick in my answers. No, but, you're fine. Go for it. Go um, just, yeah, I, I wanted to mention that it's hard to, to overemphasize just how important um, the the uh, M1 uh, or Apple Silicon uh, chips are for, um, I think, in the long term for the entire Mojo um, uh, community because um, having a single architecture um, that developers can build for that works um, uh, identically, essentially, between the desktop and, uh, and the phone um, is going to open up huge possibilities moving forward. And even if you're using a, a, 
a um, you know a laptop. That this um, uh, this architecture um, is is a a a, a, um, a whole new level of power efficiency up from um, uh, from the Intel architecture that was in the in the earlier Macs. And so what what's interesting about that is is um, if you're familiar with the on, on the M1 the um, uh, um, M1 Macs are, are are essentially using an ARM-based um, instruction set in, internally under the hood, which is the same thing that Android uses. It's the same thing that iOS uses. And it's the same thing that most Chromebooks use. Um, so um, that means that sort of uh, for developers, really the only um, operating system that's now left out is uh, is Windows. And there is technically an ARM version of Windows. It doesn't get a lot of attention, but it does exist. So we might be seeing sort of a, a trend towards having a more unified ecosystem across um, all of these platforms in the future. And I think that's a really good thing for everybody. So it, this is not the technology behind the M1 chips is not new. ARM has been around um, since, I guess, the 80s, I want to say, if I remember correctly. Um, but um, uh, having Apple's weight behind it really changes the landscape. And, that, and I think that's very exciting um, uh, moving forward. And there's going to be practical um, uh, benefits of that soon, um, I think, um, in, in, uh, you know, for the Mojo community. Um, uh, I mean, for everybody, but particularly for the Mojo community. So I just wanted to sort of mention that. that I think we're going to see a big change in the landscape as a result of that. Uh, moving forward. Very yeah. exciting. I know a lot of people are certainly buzzing about it. All right, Courtney and myself were only chatting about that a couple of days ago. But um, that that's all assuming that Apple don't turn around and decide to drop the lightning connector and render several thousand worth of mics that I have in my Mojo kit, you know, useless overnight. Who knows? But anyway, it only took them six years to drop 25 for a second into camera. <laughs> um, okay, listen, yeah. uh, no, no hands up and, and no difficult questions on, on DM. So I'm going to potentially wrap it up, I think. Um, we are, I mean, we're just slightly over the hour. I think that's not bad at all but anyway uh like i say i kind of wanted to keep it in and around the hour duration don't know why i have that in my head but i kind of think that's a good conversational thing also bear in mind that whenever we do mojo fest you normally get 15 minutes on stage so i think we've done pretty good for the hour chat that we've done to be fair um anyway it's great for me because i talk i I go long when i talk (laughs) that's good though you should start to practice well <laughs> you know what man um, when i did the the summit uh there were definitely nights where i was in the middle of conversation i was getting short two-word answers from guests and i was having a full-on meltdown in my head while trying to casually smile at the same time uh, so i'm really grateful that you actually <laughs> have given proper in-depth answers as opposed to just skirting around topics which is great uh, but anyway i'll leave it on well, that bombshell I, more often than not i hear you talk too much so I really, really appreciate you taking the time to join me. And speaking of time, I didn't realize when, when I invited you to do this, it's like, what is it, five o'clock in the morning there? Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. What, what, what does time matter anyway? Oh, you know, we, I'm, I, I'm at home, so, you know, it's, it's not a problem. And I really appreciate the invite. I'm, 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 I'm deeply honored to be the first guest. Um, well, I'm, oh, I'm, thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled to catch up with you, whether you're going to bed extremely late or getting up extremely early. Either way, I very, very much appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for sharing your insights, Matt. And please do keep in touch. Let us know what you're up to. And, you know, fingers crossed before the end of this year, we'll have a chance to have a pint and have a chat in person. All going to plan. That would be absolutely fantastic. One, one can wish. Crossed. One can wish.
Um, anyway, okay, so we've come to the end of the show, and uh, again, I, we could chat for another hour, but I think it's probably good to keep it in relatively tidy and manageable if it does go up as a podcast afterwards. That's still a big if. I'm not going to make any promises. I kind of sound like Matt now. No timeline, just saying it could happen. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, all, all going to plan. I'll be back again next Friday at the same time, and I hope you'll be able to join me. And in the interim, if you have comments or questions or comments, uh, suggestions, or if you even have suggestions for speakers going forward, please do reach out to me, maybe via Twitter. It would be best. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, again, I'd like to thank Matt and all the contributors. So right now we still have Carmen, Gillian, Corinne and Rob has just joined. Rob, we're just leaving it, dude. And it must be an insane time of the day in Australia as well for both Corinne and Rob. I didn't think of that. And Mike is still on and Twan is there as well. Guys, I hope you're all safe and well. Fingers crossed we'll get a chance to hook up again and see, you know, see how we're all doing face to face. Like I say, healthy and happy before the end of the year. All going to plan. Anyway, um, thanks for your time. Thanks for the listeners and contributors. And, uh, you know, really appreciate you giving up the hours of the evening on a Friday. Mark went to great lengths on Twitter to tell me what a bad idea it was to do this conversation on a Friday night. But anyway, I'm glad that a good gang got together. That's always good. So listen. Um, Matt, thanks so much again. Courtney, thanks so much for, for bailing me Thank out you. and jumping in as a co-host again. Uh, legend dude, as always. Love you to bits, man. See you soon. Love and, you, um, brother. And you are such a rock star, man. Uh, keep, come on. Let, keep doing this. Keep doing this. Uh, we'll, we'll, sure. well, let's do this for a while. Let's see how this goes. I, I quite, you know, I quite like um, Clubhouse, I have to say. I think it'd be really cool if we can get something regular going and even maybe pass on the, the, the mantle of the, the moderator role or something so it kind of gets a bit more organic as well. I'd love to see that happen. But anyway, early days. But I'm happy with how tonight went. I have no idea what the end audio quality was like at your guys' end. Um, I know that there was a bit of discussion earlier on when Anne and Corinne hosted their session and they, they were trying to figure out different ways that would, I won't use the word circumvent, but let's say creatively find ways of recording the audio um, without getting the ire of, of um, Clubhouse up, I guess. I did look at the TNCs and Anne, thank you and the MojoFest group for sharing that tip about sticking the recording live icon on the title. And um, that's directly credited to you. Uh, how I'm doing it, just for the record, in case you're curious, is I'm not connected via TRS or TRRS or anything else. The phone is plugged in uh, to power it so it doesn't die because it's an old 7 Plus. But how I'm recording it is it's connected via Bluetooth to a Rodecaster. And uh, so it's a specific channel there. And that allows me to do what I'm going to do in a second, which is to do the little signature tune thing as well, which to me makes it feel a little bit like a podcast. So anyway, enough ranting from me. Until next week, bye-bye for now.